بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا ونفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's assistance And we seek His guidance subhanahu wa ta'ala And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala From the evils of our souls And the adverse consequences of our deeds Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon Then none can misguide that person And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees misguidance upon Then none can guide him And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam My dear brothers and fathers and mothers and sisters Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh I'm not sure if it's very common for everyone to flank the speaker But if it's possible to fill up some of the space in the middle That would also be beneficial Firstly for myself So it saves me from turning too much to the right and the left all the time And alhamdulillah The brothers in the middle can feel your brotherhood Just to inform you I lost my voice a day or a day and a half ago And uh, alhamdulillah it's come back alhamd. But there's still a few issues with some of the chords but we'll try and be as audible and clear as possible with Allah Ta'ala. From the outset, I'd like to express my delight at being here in Wales, in Cardiff. It's my first trip ever here. But it looks the same as the rest of the UK, mashallah. And I'd also like to express my gratitude to this wonderful masjid for their wonderful invite and to IDEA for facilitating this trip and to you all for your attendance this Sunday afternoon. I know it's difficult on a Sunday to invest time. We don't say sacrifice time, we say invest time. To invest time and attend these kind of talks. It's not a flourishing culture, but inshallah we'll get there. Inshallah we'll get there, especially on afternoons when Liverpool and Manchester United have matches against each other. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept our efforts to make this a gathering that is forgiven upon its departure and to make this a gathering that hears a good word and follows it. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reunite us many, many more times in this world as well as reunite us in the hereafter. Amin. The title of today's talk is High Aspirations. Or as we heard our brother who introduced the program say, Having high aspirations. And this is the third talk of a series called Making Our Mark. Making Our Mark. So it was a series titled around the theme of encouraging action. Especially in the programs that would have been conducted or are going to be conducted here in the southwest. We began this journey in Bath and the topic was titled The Importance of Having a Vision. And we went on to Bristol 
and we discussed the importance of leadership and shared some examples from the lives of the first generation, the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. And today we have this title, which is also important as all the others, the title entitled, High Aspirations. Now, this particular topic is not something new for Islam and the Muslims. It's not a discussion that we find only being discussed in the century that we live in. For all praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who made us from amongst those that declared his oneness, and from amongst those that accepted the prophecy of Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This declaration and this acceptance that by default has to make us people of high aspirations. Thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لِمِثْلِ هَذَا فَلْيَعْمَلِ الْعَامِلُونَ لِمِثْلِ هَذَا For this, this paradise, let those who strive, strive. And inshallah we'll discuss this ayah a little bit more later. And indeed, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is deserving of praise. For he taught this ummah that Jannah has levels. Has levels. And in some narrations, 100 levels. 100 levels. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, فَإِذَا سَأَلْتُمْ اللَّهِ فَاسْأَلُوهُ الْفِرْدَوْسِ That when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this paradise, don't just ask for any paradise. Rather ask for the highest of paradise. And that is Al-Firdaus. So here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is nurturing us to be people of high aspirations. Don't settle for anything less than the best. Strive to ascertain and attain the best. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he described this Al-Firdaus to be that part of Jannah that covers the middle part of Jannah until the highest part. And this hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari. My dear brothers and sisters, this is manifest. Or that which we've shared makes manifest. That this concept of ulu al-himma is not something new. It was part of the package of Islam. It is something that enters our life the moment we declare the shahada. The moment we declare the shahada, it makes us people who are part and parcel of the concept of high aspirations. Because ulul himmah and high aspirations is part and parcel of Islam. And when we look in the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and when we read the books of Rijal, and look at what the scholars of hadith have written about those who came in the first generations of Islam, and those happenings in their life, we cannot help but acquire the knowledge that they were people full of high aspirations. And how can this not be? How can this not be when the prize for the believer is Jannah? The prize for the believer is Jannah. And as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam described this Jannah, he said this Jannah is expensive. Thus he said, أَلَا إِنَّ سِلْعَةَ اللَّهِ غَالِيَةً In a hadith in at-Tirmidhi, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, it's reported by Abu Hurairah, 
The merchandise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is expensive. It requires your resources, your time, and your wealth. And this is a reality. The merchandise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is expensive. It will cost you. And your time to earn this expensive merchandise is your time in this world. Before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us to Him. My dear brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created life and created death. And in Surah Al-Mulk, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا to test you, to make manifest which one of you is the best in deeds, is the forerunner in earning their hereafter. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ Best in deeds. This by default requires any aspiration or high aspirations. What does it require from us? Higher aspirations. Which one of you is best in deeds? La ilaha illallah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Jannah into levels, into stages, to reward people based on their aspirations and achievements. Because reward is directly proportional to effort. Right? This is a principle found in management. The outcome and result is proportional to effort applied. And the same thing applies. This concept is common sense. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward us based on effort. Al-jaza'u min jinsil amal. The reward is based on the effort applied. Thus it was from the complete justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He even made Jannah into levels to reward people based on their effort. Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal al Wahidul Qahar. Now, for us, brothers and sisters, our aspirations differ from one person to the next. But for us, we have to realize that these aspirations become raised and they become lowered based on one concept. And that concept is our Iman. We have to realize this. For us, it's Iman. For the disbelievers, it's something else. Because their understanding of life and death is different to our understanding of life and death. So our ability to achieve and acquire and ascertain and our ability to aspire to be inspired and become inspired is based on our Iman. And our Iman grows, becomes passive, sometimes it's dynamic, sometimes it stays static based on our connection to the hereafter. Because you and I, we're not just bodies, but we are bodies with spirituality. There's two elements to us. We are a body and we are a spiritual entity as well. And this is important, we must understand this. And both entities require nurturing and being looked after. Even in our ibadah, today many a time a person asks and say, we see people fasting the month of Ramadan. But on the day of Eid, they are engaged in vice. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
that this fasting is a means of acquiring taqwa and God consciousness and erecting a barrier between you and the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how can this be that a person fasts the month of Ramadan and spends the night in Qiyam worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then comes the day of Eid and they celebrate Eid in a manner contradictory to the teachings of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Here in the UK, how many a time do we hear of non-Muslims having to leave their cities and their towns on the day of Eid because they fear the disturbance by the Muslims in the celebration of Eid wal-Iyadu Billah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Ameen. So many a time these questions come about that how is this possible? How is it possible that a person observes salah that salah puts an end to that which is immoral and that which is disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How is it that a person can observe salah but they engage in riba and backbiting and slandering and vice? How is it possible? And the answer to this question is simple, O servants of Allah. And O children of Adam, there is no contradiction in the sharia and there is no ayb and defect in the Evidences of the Sharia. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said is a fact. Ramadan is so that perhaps we can attain a taqwa. And salah is so that we can be protected against vice. And that which is immoral. But the problem lies in the effort itself. Whereby our ibadah becomes physical and lacks spirituality. It becomes an adah, a norm and lacks the concept of it being an ibadah. A worship. So we raise our hands in takbiratul ihram, but our physical body is doing so. But our heart and soul is void of what's happening. We fast the month of Ramadan with our bodies. We experience thirst and hunger and perhaps lose weight. But we start the day fasting physically, whilst our hearts and spirituality doesn't start the day fasting. Subhanallah. We concentrated on the lesser and forgot about the greater. Yes, we two entities, but the greater is the spirituality. So coming back to our earlier point, this iman, O servants of Allah and O children of Adam, it shines and illuminates and raises our aspirations based on our attachment to the hereafter. And this is a fact. There's no way you can be attached to this dunya and at the same time be attached to the hereafter. It's a seesaw effect. The closer you are to one, the further you are to the other. The closer you are to one, you see your paradigm shifting. They start changing. The way you view life changes. Things that were beloved to you suddenly become disliked. And things that you never cared about automatically become matters that you care about. As you attach yourself to the hereafter, you become detached from the dunya. Because our attachment to the hereafter causes the heart to become soft. And causes the soul to become alive. Look at the month of Ramadan, la ilaha illallah. We fast. And by physically being starved, we actually feed our spirituality. Or we should be feeding our spirituality. To feed the soul, the body has to starve. Imagine this. You distance yourself from the dunya, the food and drink and marital relations, for a portion of the day. And immediately what, what starts becoming fed? Our spirituality. Our iman, our heart, it becomes softer. It's being fed. Whilst the physical starves, the spiritual is being fed, subhanallah. This is a fact. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Hadid, and you might have heard this in a talk of mine previously, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَمْ يَعْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَأَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ وَلَا يَكُونُ كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِ فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدِ فَقَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُ سبحان الله Let's ponder over this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, has a time not come for the believers to have hearts filled with khashyah. And khashyah is not just fear. That's khawf. Khashyah is fear plus ilm. Fear with knowledge. You fear whilst knowing why you fear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ This is the evidence that khashyah is inclusive of ilm, of knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that truly, the ones that have khashyah are the ulama, those who are knowledgeable. They don't fear without knowing, they have knowledge as to why they're fearing and who they're fearing. La ilaha illallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us beneficial knowledge. Ameen. Ameen. We should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to seek increased knowledge. وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي عِلْمًا so when we ponder over this ayah, we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, has a time not come for the believers to have hearts filled with khashyah. Then Allah warns us against that which happened to those before us. And warns us against adopting the way of those before us. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Don't be like those who came before you. What happened to them? فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدِ They became victims of time. They became attached to this life. And what happened as a result of becoming attached to this life? Their hearts became hardened. This is the net result. This is what happens. The more you are attached to this world, the less your spirituality is attached to the hereafter. The more you are attached to financial standing and material well-being and the glitter and glamour of this temporary life, the net result and effect of this is a hardened heart. Allah tells us in Surah Al-Hadid, they became victims of time and started chasing this life what was the net result? قَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Their hearts became hardened. وَكَثِيرٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ And most of them were sinners. This is the result of a hard heart. But we should never lose hope because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اِعْلَمُوا Know and understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يُحْيِي الْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give life to barren land after its death. So as Allah can give life to dead land, He can give life to your dead heart. Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. So this is the reality, brothers and sisters, that our aspirations grow and cease based on our attachment to the hereafter, based on our iman. This is a fact. It's, you cannot say, because iman necessitates belief in Allah and his malaika, his angels, and his books, and his prophets, and the last day, and the day of judgment. How can you believe in the day of judgment, but behave in a manner contradictory to this belief? How can your aspirations act in a manner that contradicts this belief of yours? You know you will return to Allah. And belief in the last day necessitates belief in death and the grave. Everything with regards to the hereafter. And the hereafter starts when we pass away. So how can you have iman and believe in these entities, but have 
aspirations that contradict the reality of this belief. Remember, iman is belief. And it entails action. It's not just talking the talk, but it's walking the talk as well. It has to show in our actions, in our speech, in our hearts as well as our actions. So understand this, O servants of Allah, and O children of Adam. Islam set high aspirations. But we differ in terms of our aspirations based on this iman.